Hi, this is Brent White. It's Thursday, February 15th, and this is devotional podcast number 14. You're listening to Elvis Presley, of course, and his recording of How Great Thou Art. He originally recorded this song in 1966 for his Grammy-winning gospel album of the same name. But in 2015, the song was remixed with a new orchestral arrangement performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and recorded at Abbey Road Studios in London. So this version is taken from the 2015 album on vinyl, If I Can Dream, and it sounds amazing, as I hope you can hear. I want to talk today briefly about Pentecostal Christians. Elvis himself grew up Pentecostal in the Assemblies of God Church. Pentecostalism, if you don't know, is that branch of Protestant Christianity that places a strong emphasis on the more conspicuous spiritual gifts, like speaking in tongues, prophecy, physical healing. In principle, I have no problem with the idea that the Holy Spirit may give these gifts and do powerful things through people. I'm not what's called a cessationist. In other words, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit stopped giving these gifts to Christians after the age of the apostles. I see no biblical warrant for believing that. Are there excesses in Pentecostalism? Are there abuses? Are there charlatans who take advantage of their credulous flocks? Of course. Pentecostals, no less than the rest of us, need to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. That's for sure. And I strongly disagree theologically with the widespread Pentecostal belief that receiving the Holy Spirit or being baptized by the Spirit is something that happens only to some Christians at some point after a person is born again. I also don't believe that the evidence of having received the Holy Spirit is this one particular gift of speaking in tongues. No, I believe that we all receive the Spirit at the moment of conversion. But I don't mean to be overly critical of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters. In my own life, I tend to love people who love Jesus and seek to build their lives on the foundation of God's Word. And that describes most Pentecostal Christians that I've known, so they have my love and respect. Plus, there are things that we non-Pentecostals can learn from Pentecostals, 
like the fact that when Pentecostals go to church, they mean business. They expect the Holy Spirit to do something powerful. For example, I drive by a couple of Pentecostal churches between my church and my house. I know nothing about these churches beyond what's on their church signs, but I do like what's on their church signs. One of the churches is called Perfecting the Saints Church International. I like that. They go to that church on Sunday morning expecting the Holy Spirit to perfect them. (laughs) When we show up at church on Sunday morning, what do we expect the Holy Spirit to do? I pass another church on the way home called, get this, One Way Inner Action Church. That's inner, I-N-N-E-R, Action Church. So when they go to that church, they expect the Holy Spirit's going to do something active inside their hearts. I like that. I also like the way many Pentecostals pray. In my experience, they pray with the same expectation that God is going to respond to them in a powerful way, even if it means working a miracle. I knew a Pentecostal back in high school. Her name was Christine. We were talking one day, and she said something to me back then that has stuck with me to this day. Now, back then I was a Baptist, but I think her words might apply equally to us Methodists. I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, Probably her words would apply to most uh, modern Christians living in the West. She said, I have a lot of admiration and respect for you Baptists. And I said, really, why? And she said, well, you just really believe in Jesus. You love Jesus. You have a lot of faith in spite of the fact that you never see any miracles. You you never expect anything supernatural to happen. You never expect anything supernatural to happen? Is that true? Was that true for me back then? Is that true for me now? Maybe so. Let me give you an example. Last September, uh, our church finance committee was making year-end projections for our our budget and our, our giving up to that point. And we were looking at what we feared might be a substantial shortfall. So I challenged the church leadership to pray, and I prayed Within a week of that meeting, our church received a substantial offering check, a portion of which we could use for our operating budget. Basically, this money eliminated the budget problem in one fell swoop. We would no longer be sweating it out the last few months of the year, the way our church usually does at the end of the year. No begging or pleading on my part, no big campaign to raise the money. I was relieved, but I promise you, if I could have written down my first thought upon receiving that check, it would have sounded something like this. What a relief. We're going to be just fine. We don't need that miracle after all. Do you see the problem? All I can say in my defense is... This money didn't feel like any kind of miracle at the time. It felt like a a normal, everyday kind of event. Nothing too far outside of the ordinary. Surprising, yes, but not supernatural. So, at first, 
I failed to see that this was God intervening in a powerful way to answer my prayers and the prayers of others. It's as if God's handiwork was hidden from me. I couldn't see his fingerprints on this particular gift, even though they were all over them. But isn't that usually the way God's providence works? When God does something, it rarely looks like a miracle. It rarely looks supernatural. It rarely looks like anything out of the ordinary. Isn't it instructive, therefore, that the portion of the Lord's Prayer that has to do with asking God to give us things is this humble petition, give us this day our daily bread. Because from our human perspective, our daily bread, at least for those of us living in the wealthy, industrialized countries, is one thing we don't believe we need God to provide for us. We've, we've got that taken care of, Lord. We've got a freezer full of bread. Our pantry is well stocked, we think. So we don't need God's help with daily bread. Physical healing? Yes, by all means. Financial aid for college? You bet. A promotion for work? Yes, please. But daily bread? Eh. And yet Jesus tells us that our daily bread, insignificant, humble bread, is itself a gift from God. It's our problem that we have the luxury of taking it for granted. It still comes from God. And if even bread comes from God, well, tell me what doesn't come from God. So, getting back to my Pentecostal friend's observation, you believe in Jesus without expecting him to do anything supernatural. She may be right, and I'm sure, I'm sure she is partly right, and in as much as she is right, I repent. But also, let's not underestimate what God does for us. I mean, if we only expect God to act in our lives in a supernatural way or in a miraculous way, we may underestimate God's activity in our lives and in our world. Let's also appreciate the fact that God is always doing stuff for us always giving us exactly what we need, always working in every part of our lives and in every part of the world, even when it's not obvious that he's doing so, even when we, we can't see his fingerprints, even when it seems completely normal, even when he's not doing anything that appears to be supernatural. And if we, if we live with that kind of perspective, well, we will live lives of gratitude to God because of his faithfulness to us. Amen. Oh, 